นโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนามัสสัง Tonight being the first Sunday of the month, it's the opportunity to consider together the Teachings, the Dhamma quote that's on our calendar page of the Forest Sangha calendar, which is a short teaching by Ajahn Chah, saying, "Why do we suffer? Because of a lack of understanding, because of ignorance, which gives rise to craving." We're driven to create suffering. If you put a match to firewood, you're bound to get heated up. And there's a nice photograph there of a group of, I think, young novices and anagarikas out on Tudong somewhere, around a campfire or. Some candles, and the suggestion uh, being that we get heated up, or we suffer, we get burnt because of craving, essentially because of ignorance, because of lack of understanding. Because we don't see clearly, uh, we don't perceive accurately the reality that's in front of us, that's here and now. We don't see this in a way that means we remain free from suffering. We act in ways which bring about suffering. Mm. If you put a match to firewood, mm. in other words, if, if we Get caught up in craving. If we cling, then we get all heated up. We we suffer, and so certainly the predicament that Ajahn Chah, the predicament that the Buddha is referencing, something we're all familiar with, something that we do that we keep doing, that means we are caught up in struggling. Over and over again, and even when we feel we have the information, even when we've read the Buddha's teachings, maybe we've done retreats, maybe we've contemplated many times the Buddha's teachings, that you know, craving or clinging to desire uh, leads to suffering. Even though we know this on some level, it seems that we don't know it completely. We don't. Truly know it, and so this is what our teachers keep reminding us over and over again, 
exercising the skill that's required to learn more deeply, to see more clearly what is it, when is it that we do what we do that turns life into a struggle. The awakened beings and the Buddha and all the great disciples spoke about the possibility of abiding in a state of unshakable ease yeah, and where consciousness is irrevocably established in clarity and calm and confidence and competence and ability so that it, the expression of human consciousness is wisdom and compassion. That's, that's what consciousness does. It's what the human heart, how the human heart manifests when it's awakened. And, but since we're not there, we still have work to do. Yeah. Last night, uh, in consideration of the subject of compassion fatigue, which is very evident, and not just in the caring professions where a lot of people do end up suffering from a sort of burnout that comes, uh, exposure to just too much pain, but also for a lot of people these days, uh, uh, endless bombardment of, of imagery and explanation of uh, the horrors that human beings have to endure, it uh, ends up feeling like it's too much. And so in consideration of that last night, we, we contemplated together the Buddha's teachings on the four Brahma Viharas. And in that contemplation, I pointed out how the potentials that we all have for generating love and kindness, you know, the potential we all have for generating compassion, the potential you have for generating sympathetic joy, the, these inspiring, uplifting abilities that we all have potentially need to be protected with equanimity, you know, with the clarity that comes with an appreciation of what is my responsibility and what is the responsibility of others. And of course, we, it's a great blessing to get in touch with our ability to be caring, to be kind, to wish well. Yeah. Well-wishing is, is a potential, an ability that we all have. The children don't necessarily... Express that then children are, are more acutely aware of of near needing to be cared for, and as we grow up, we hopefully get in touch with that ability to be caring. We don't want to always be locked into feeling like we need somebody to love us to be able to give caring to exercise well wishing 
is a source of strength. And likewise with, with compassion, metta, karuna, mudita, these, these qualities can be cultivated to anybody who pays attention to them. But without an accurate appreciation of equanimity, there's always the risk that self is going to spoil these qualities. I is going to get constellated. And how does I get constellated? It's through clinging. That's what... And we're not talking philosophy here. We're talking about that dynamic of awareness itself, where awareness contracts. That constriction of the heart, where I is born. It's something that we feel. It's not just something that we think. We can think about it, but the thinking is there to serve the purpose of directing attention towards a more subtle activity within awareness, which is this contraction that can take place when we're unaware. As Ajahn Chah was saying, ignorance gives rise to craving, which causes us to create suffering. So this is our work then. On every level, you know, there's protecting the potentials of loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy, cultivating this accuracy of perception, which means that we need to learn to be able to let go of even the desire for beings to be free from suffering, even the desire for beings to be happy, to be well, even well wishing, we need to let go of it. It can be a real trap if we haven't developed some inner seeing or sufficient inner seeing and we can operate under the assumption that because we let go of something it disappears. And that's just not the case. That's just not true. I often give the example of you know, driving a car I mean, you can hold the steering wheel lightly or you can cling to it. Clinging to it is very stressful and tiring and probably not a very good driver. If we hold the steering wheel just right, it's holding but not clinging, then there's a world of difference in that. And that's something that we need to feel. We can think about it, as I was saying, but the thinking is there so as to direct our feeling awareness inwardly. And we feel it taking place in the, in the whole body mind, in our guts, in our hearts, in our muscles. And what happens when we cling? What happens when I is born? Like if somebody praises us, and then there's that, ooh, I, hmm, I like that. Or somebody insults us, and there's that, ooh, don't like that. that we can feel it. And if we get subtle enough, maybe we'll start to see it, silently see it inwardly, the activities of heart and mind that are taking place, often, usually, unfortunately, in unawareness, but we can make that kind of effort, which is what we're doing in meditation, is to bring an inner clarity, to be there, to be there, to catch it sooner, to 
to be there, as it's about to arise, as clinging is about to happen. You don't have to do that. You can allow well-wishing, may all beings be well, may all beings be free from suffering, and let it go. And learning to make the right kind of effort, particularly in regards to how we relate to desire, that's what we need to be doing. That's, that's why we suffer, because we don't understand the nature of wanting. And wanting, of course, is perfectly natural. So we're not making a problem out of wanting. Well, we don't have to, but we can. We, we do regularly, maybe, because we don't, we don't see it in perspective. You know. We don't see that there's, there's that space in which this activity is arising and ceasing. And we become the activity. As the Buddha talked about, becoming is suffering. And becoming is that momentum that happens just prior to birth, is it? Clinging and then becoming and then becoming born as I, I am happy. And there's no point, again, there's no point in arguing about these things philosophically. There's, these are pointers that the Buddha gave for us to take inwards and consider inwards, feel inwards. And what is that contraction of awareness? Is it possible to inhibit that? What is the kind of effort that we need to make? So regularly in the beginning, we, the kind of effort we make is we try too hard, most of us, and it's because we really want to be free from suffering. And so we make too much effort, and we cling to the desire to be free from suffering. And I remember reading once this Zen master, Shunryan Suzuki Roshi, one of the first Zen Roshis to go and teach in America, the author of that book, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, which some of you are probably familiar with. And he was talking about how the, what a difficulty he had with his American disciples. As, as soon as he started teaching the meditation, immediately they got so enthusiastic they all wanted to run off to the forest and become enlightened. You know, meditate, meditate, meditate all day long. And, and he said how he would try and calm them down and say, you know, you know, 20 minutes, once a day, six days a week, that's enough. And We have this, uh, basically this greed. You know, it's a habit that we've cultivated. We hear about spiritual teachings and we get greedy for results. And It's understandable, but if we're Clever, we'll be checking as we go along and say, is this working? Until we start to think, all right, trying too hard, that's not working. Then maybe we chill too much. Because there also are some people who don't try hard enough and nothing's really working. Too little effort, that's not it. Too much effort, that's not it. Too little effort, that's not it. Too assertive, that's not it. Too yielding, that's not it. So how do we know what the right effort is? Well, what we can know is that we don't know. That's very useful. It's very useful. It's a very creative perspective. Very helpful 
to be honest about not knowing when that's the case. We, we don't know the right kind of effort. And then we're more alert. It's often the case that we're busy thinking we have to know, otherwise we're going to be seen as failures or something. We're going to get criticised, afraid of being criticised. Caught up in wanting to be praised, wanting to be a winner, wanting to be successful. So acknowledging, it's actually a very useful stage in practice to reach, very important. Maybe even the beginning of our practice when we reach the point where we can honestly, not because we thought it, but because we felt something. We got to a point of a recognition, a recognition. All right, this is, this is what's happening. I don't know the right kind of effort to be making. And there's a humility, there's a certain modesty that comes with that, which is also helpful and helps us moderate the being overly assertive. I was speaking with somebody in the community recently about the kind of effort they were making. I said, what you need to be developing is more modesty. And then I realized that sounded like I was telling him he was arrogant and obnoxious. That, that's not what I was pointing to, not modesty in that sense, but modesty in the sense of the right amount. And we try too hard, we try too little, mm-hmm. until we find the right amount. And inhibiting that tendency to contract and cling to desire. It's so tempting. You know. mm-hmm. Not really. You know, people talk about the suffering, for instance, of something like feeling like they don't fit in. A lot of people, I'm sure this is true, they just don't feel like they fit in anywhere. They don't fit into the world. They can't find their place where they feel they fit. And it can be terribly lonely, painfully lonely, to feel you don't belong. So it's suffering. Wanting to be free from such suffering is perfectly natural. But we need to be checking as we go along to see is this bringing about increased clarity, increased calm, increased well-being, increased perspective on suffering? If we're demanding that we immediately get free from suffering, well, that's again, that's a bit naive, really. It's understanding that, well, in that verse, Ajahn Chah was pointed to, it's understanding the nature of suffering. It's not that suffering is going to disappear. It's not that all pain is going to disappear. It's not that the Buddha didn't experience pain. The Buddha did experience pain, but he didn't have the kind of suffering that we have because pain was just that. It was just a sensation passing through a vast, edgeless field of awareness. And there was the understanding that meant that for the Buddha there was no clinging. So there was no becoming. There was no being born as me suffering. So the right practice means giving it the time, giving the suffering the time it takes until letting go happens. 
when Ajahn Chah was visiting the Insight Meditation Center in Barry, Massachusetts, which is a good number of years ago now, and one of the talks he gave there to the retreatants, I think this was a retreat that Jack Cornfield was running there and Ajahn Chah was invited to give teachings at this retreat and in one of the talks there he gave, he commented, he said, you know, you, you people come on these retreats of seven days and make a great deal of effort. And, but it doesn't mean to say that you're going to know what I know just because you make a lot of effort in seven days. If you want to know what I know, then you're going to have to come and live with me. So I've been in a monastery since I was 13 years old. Now, I don't expect he actually literally meant that. He didn't expect the whole group of retreatants to move to live in the northeast of Thailand, but what he was alluding to was that it takes time. Just because we have a lot of enthusiasm doesn't mean to say that it's going to produce results. You can be very enthusiastic in the kitchen and and think that you can prepare a meal in, in 10 minutes. You've got a lot of, we've got all the ingredients, all the best ingredients, and a great stove. And, but to cook something, you have the right temperature and you've got to give it time. It's not properly cooked, and you take it out and feed your guests and get some serious indigestion. So in our practice, it is a fitting metaphor, actually. It is about getting cooked, really. We do need to let the heat of desire build up. We need to be willing to feel uncomfortable, but not surrender to our conditioned impulses to cling, but to get interested in it. Is there a way of changing our relationship to desire? so that there can be desire without suffering. It's like asking, can there be fire without getting burnt? Well, we know there can be. You know, we contain fire in the fireplace. We've got a good firebox, got a sealed door, and it's safe. You can light the fire. You can even go out and leave the fire burning if it's a good firebox. And it's well contained. The fire's well contained. Well, we contain desire with wisdom, with understanding. So again, that verse, you know, it's the lack of understanding that causes us to suffer. Ignorance gives rise to craving, which drives us to create suffering. So this is our work. and Once we see it, once we start to get a feeling for this, then it's obvious this is what we need to be doing. But unfortunately, we all have tendencies still to get habitually distracted. and It's not that we completely forget what we're supposed to be doing. It's still there. But sometimes what we need to do is, is put time aside and remember to slow down. Remember... Some years ago when I was living in Devon and I used to go by car regularly from Axminster to Plymouth. And there was a very nice group of people in Plymouth. We used to meet together and practice together there. And 
So up and down, up and down, the whole length of Devon. And then one summer, a group of us decided we were going to walk the length of Devon. And so we walked the south coast. And What a totally different experience, a completely different experience. It was still Devon, but walking is much slower than driving, obviously. And you see in a very different way. You feel very different. That footpath, if you ever do it, is, there's a lot of hills on that footpath. There rivers to cross, and it's a completely, completely different experience. It's a different reality than sitting in a car and zooming down from Axminster to Plymouth and back again. Now, similarly, in our experience of life, if we don't put time aside to slow down, we know... This is the territory, our relationship to desire. This is what we need to understand. We need to, we need to change, we need to transform our relationship to desire. Maybe we've learned that. Mm-hmm. Don't have to study Buddhism for very long before we get that message. Mm-hmm. It's not desire we're trying to get rid of, it's our relationship to desire we're trying to work on. So, so we can be free from this habitual conditioned tendency to cling and spoil whatever it is that we're doing. That's what we're interested in. But if we don't slow down, then we don't really see, we're not getting enough information. We're not there in the moment, in the moment when clinging is about to happen. We're not there for it. So again, our teachers encourage us to put time aside to train attention, to train our attention to steady attention. Mm-hmm. And that takes a particular kind of effort. If we get too greedy for focused, one-pointed, steady attention, you read the scriptures and the talk about jhana and this jhana, that jhana, and, and then you hear certain teachers talking about the powers and the abilities, the bliss that comes with jhana. And if we're not discerning, we can get intimidated by that and again get greedy for that and and trying too hard again and then we get disappointed and then we give up and we try not hard enough and so then we get all inspired and enthusiastic and go and try too hard again well once again it's important that we're learning as we go along watching say what's working what's not working Hopefully, slowly but surely, we get the message that letting go is what makes the difference. Small moments of letting go, bearing with the heating up that comes with making too much effort, bearing with it, getting interested, asking the right kind of questions, bearing with it, watching it, no judgment. And one day, just a little moment of letting go happens. And we notice it. That feels cooler. That feels easier. Something drops, maybe. Mm-hmm. More present. Mm-hmm. Then the, you notice the greedy impulse to have more of that. No, no, no. Don't, don't need to follow that. Mm-hmm. Just be with this much. Be patient. Exercise modesty. Exercise contentment. Yes... We're all impressed with heroic efforts 
Hollywood heroes, you know, those movies will always excite and sell. All of us can be impressed by conquering, winning, achieving. and It's not just a male thing either. All deluded egos can be overly impressed by winning and being number one. But if we're working with our deluded personality tendencies, getting interested in what makes a difference, hopefully we'll sooner or later start to discover it's, it's letting go of craving that makes a difference, letting go of clinging that makes a difference. You know. Allowing the process to unfold. You know, the feeling, for instance, the suffering of not fitting in. Really want to overcome that. Really want to be free from that. But if we keep trying too hard to get rid of our suffering and it doesn't work, well, you know, experiment. We'll just, let's just be with that. Can we just be with that? The feeling of, you know, I feel like I don't fit in. We'll expand around that. Allow that to be there. Already there's a moment of letting go when we stop fighting it, when we stop resisting it, stop struggling. The feeling itself of like, I'm somebody who doesn't fit in anywhere, probably is not going to kill us, that feeling. We find we can feel it more accurately. That makes a difference. Feel what is rather than getting rid of what we don't like makes a difference. Trying to get rid of what we don't like, trying to get rid of our suffering, it's like you know, if you've injured yourself and there's the healing begins and there's a, a scab forms on the wound and then you don't like the scab, it's rough, it's not beautiful, so you, you rip the scab off. That's not clever. That's not clever. Just because we don't like the way the process is going, it's too slow. I want results. Well, even wanting results, actually, if we're smart, we can feel wanting results without having to cling at wanting results. Wanting results is just wanting results. Wanting to be free from suffering is just wanting to be free from suffering. That's perfectly natural. Absolutely 100% okay. We're not going to die because we feel like we want to be free from suffering. But if we cling to wanting to be free from suffering, if we cling to wanting results, that's, that really hurts, yeah. or can really hurt. Yeah. So this teaching by Ajahn Chah of you know, why do we suffer, a lack of understanding. Where does the understanding come from? Well, we hear the teachings, we read the books, we do an initial contemplation and we start to recognize for ourselves when we get a conceptual understanding. All right, this is worth looking into. Like fire, if it's rightly contained, it's safe. Desire, wanting, all sorts of wanting, wanting to be free from suffering, wanting to feel like you fit in, all of it if it's contained with wisdom, 
doesn't have to turn into suffering. But the process, the practice of investigation, bearing with, letting go, doesn't happen according to my preferences. We don't know. We may not want it that way. We may want to be sure. That's certainly very normal also. Again, perhaps now more so than before, the increased sense of uncertainty, a lot of people feeling unsafe, insecure. Again, it's perfectly normal to want to feel sure, to want to feel safe. But our relationship to even that, to wanting to be sure, wanting to be safe, if it's not wise, if it's not skillful, if it's not accurate, if we're even clinging to wanting to be sure, we turn it into something that's not helpful. The process, the training, the practice that we're all involved with is studying desire, not trying to get rid of it, not judging it, but gradually learning to understand it. Thank you very much this evening for your attention. Sadhu <clears throat> <laughs>